Hello everyone and welcome to the Three Ball. I am your host Sam and in today's podcast we are going to be doing the Memphis Grizzlies offseason guide. If you don't know how these offseason guides work, I basically just give advice to NBA teams on what I think they should try to do this offseason based on both their logistical outlook as well as their player personnel and the order in which we're doing teams is now that we've reached teams that have made the playoffs or going from time that the team got eliminated. So the Grizzlies were the seventh team to get eliminated from the NBA playoffs. So they're the seventh team that we're doing once we've reached the teams that made the playoffs. And for those, a quick FYI before I do this, I think this podcast should be coming out on Sunday, June 11th. It should be. I don't know. I'm I'm pre-recording a lot of podcasts because I am going on vacation. So I'm, I'm recording this on Friday, June 9th. Just letting y'all know right now. So I am, um, and I might be a little, couple, a little bit behind on information, but chances are that during the NBA Finals, no, nothing's really going to go on. Stuff's going to start to happen once this series is over. And y'all know the updated score. My score is still 2-1 Nuggets right now. Who knows who's going to win game four? I'm excited. But we're going to go ahead now and talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, my favorite team in the NBA. So I'm going to try and avoid rambling too much because I want to make sure to cover all the information for the Grizzlies this offseason because it is a pretty, pretty important one, at least for me as a Grizzlies fan. I need to see this team make some moves in order to elevate, ele- elevate themselves. So the first thing we're going to be doing is covering this team from a logistical perspective. So for those of you listening on YouTube, there's going to be a spreadsheet popping up on your screen right now. And for those of you listening elsewhere, I will explain this spreadsheet. So the point guard, well, the first thing on this logistical breakdown is the depth chart with contract lengths. So the point guard position, you have John Morant, who's on a five-year deal. Behind Jaw is Tyus Jones, who's on a one-year deal. Starting at shooting guard is Desmond Bain. He has one year left before he becomes a restricted free agent. Behind Bain is Luke Kennard. He has two years left, including a team option. Behind Luke Kennard is John Conchar. He has four years left. And then behind him is Zaire Williams, who has two years left, including a team option. Moving on to small forward, you have Dylan Brooks, who's a free agent this offseason. Behind him is John Conchar. Behind John Conchar is David Roddy, who has three years left, including a couple of team options before he becomes an, uh, a restricted free agent. And then behind him is Zaire Williams. Oh, I'm sorry for Zaire Williams. He does become a, a restricted free agent after his two years are up. And then starting at power forward, Jaron Jackson Jr. He has three years left on his contract. Behind Jaron is Brandon Clark, who has four years left. Behind Clark is Santi Aldama, two years left, including a team option before he, he becomes a restricted free agent. And then behind him is David Roddy. Behind Roddy is Kenneth Lofton Jr., three years left, including a team option. And then behind him is Jake LaRavia, three years left, including a, t- a couple of team options before he becomes an RFA. And then in the center position, you have Stephen Adams, who has two years left on his deal. Behind him is Xavier Tillman, who has one year left on his contract, but that's a team option, so he could be a free agent this season if the Grizzlies decide to. Then behind Tillman is Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, and Santi Aldama, and we already talked about all three of those players. Moving on now to the salary cap table for the Memphis Grizzlies this upcoming season. John Morant is slated to make $34 million, Jaron Jackson, 27, Luke Kennard, 15, Tyus Jones, 14, Steven Adams, 13, Brandon Clark, 13, Zaire Williams, 5, Desmond Bain, 4, Jake LaRavia, 3, David Roddy, 3, John Conchar, 2, Santi Aldama, 2, Xavier Tillman, 2, and Kenneth Lofton, 2. For a grand total of $139 million on the books for the Grizzlies next season, 
And with the projected salary cap being around 134 mil, this would leave the Grizzlies with negative $5 million in cap room and $23 million in projected luxury tax room if the luxury tax is at the projected figure around $162 million. Moving on to the first round picks that the Memphis Grizzlies have. This year, the Grizz have their own pick at number 25. Next year, they have their own pick as well as a Golden State Warriors pick that is top four protected. If it's not conveyed, it will be top one protected in 2025 before being unprotected in 2026. And that pick came from the Andre Iguodala contract dump a couple years ago. And then in 2025, Grizzlies have their own pick. And then in 2026, 2027, 2028, 2029, the Grizzlies have their own pick and no others. So the Grizz have a lot of, 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 of flexibility when it comes to their draft picks and those are trade assets. That, that, that's just how I'm saying it, but that is what what the logistical side of of, of you know the thi- uh, logistical side of things look like for the Memphis Grizzlies. Moving on now to the player personnel approach for the Grizzlies this offseason. and I, w- I want to talk about the team as a whole first. I mean, and and th- this past year the Grizzlies had a pretty solid season. They had a winning streak, I, be- of a, I believe, eleven. Then they started losing right after that. I'm pretty sure. But it was another good regular season, which if you if you saw last year, these past two years, I I think you've come to expect what what the the regular season's gonna look like for this Grizzlies team. But they had a disappointing first round exit when they lost to the Los Angeles Lakers in six games. And honestly, the reason why I think the Grizzlies lost it has to do a lot with external factors. Obviously, you have the game of basketball that affected the series. But I think if you have a fully a fully healthy Grizzlies team who's not dealing with con you know with internal conflict and you know other external factors. I think the Grizzlies do win that series, but Stephen Adams was hurt and they dealt with problems. Uh, I know that 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 they that their own problems that they could control or their players could control, I guess. And 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 those external factors mainly are the responsibilities of John Morant and Dylan Brooks, and it seems like the Grizzlies are working to resolve these these conflicts because if you if you have internal in, in internal factors I, I said external factors more like internal factors affecting the team um the, the internal factors just with John Morant and with uh, are the external factors or internal I don't know how I would describe what what's going on with the Grizzlies but it, it seems like they're working to handle their their problems that that, that arise off the court and they're at least doing that by getting rid of Dylan Brooks. And as a Grizzlies fan who's watched Dylan Brooks for however long he's played on the team, and all, all this year long, I can attest to the fact that he is he, he is the embodiment of a double-edged sword. He's such a great defender that he's almost like he's super valuable on the defensive end of the court because he is so pesky, and he's going to get in your face. He's going to play great defense. But at the same time, he shoots the ball really bad. It's, it's, it's really annoying, and he shoots the ball so much. As often as super lackluster, but when you add the arrogance that he has, it, it it loses. He becomes a negative asset almost, with with how he is right now. And when you when you look at that Lakers series, right, the, the Lakers were not guarding Dylan Brooks from three, and for good reason. In that series, listen listen to this stat: Dylan Brooks shot twenty three point eight percent from three in the series, and he took seven three pointers a game. That that that's simply put unacceptable. You cannot take seven three pointers a game and make twenty three percent or twenty four percent unless you're Steph Curry. <laughs> if you're Steph Curry of the Green Light, always Dylan Brooks. You don't got no Green Light, bro. In in the entirety of the series, Dylan Brooks. Let me see if I can see how many shot attempts he had in the series. He had forty two three pointers he attempted. He made ten. He made ten out of forty two three pointers in the entire series, 
If you look at his stats for the entire series, he only scored, what, he only scored 63 points throughout the series. You can't have that out of one of your best players who starts and plays a lot of minutes. And when he's being left open from three, he's not a, he's not a guy who's going to be smart enough not to shoot it. He's going to go pull the trigger and he's going to miss, which is really frustrating. And, and and this has been the problem for, for Memphis for a while now. And there's an argument to be made that Dylan Brooks is the scapegoat, like the Grizzlies are just scapegoating Dylan Brooks. But if you look at the Grizzlies, you know, where they can improve, even if you looked at where the Grizzlies can improve last year, and this is what I would have said. I would have said Dylan Brooks. I would have said Dylan Brooks. Just just because of the way he plays. It, it It's super valuable and super frustrating at the same time. And... I think we need to settle for a player who's not going to harm you offensively when you have such good offensive pieces like John Morant, like Desmond Bain. You don't want those guys to to suffer as the cause of Dylan Brooks on offense. And, and at this point, you can go find a guy who'll just lock up defensively. Maybe hard, but I'm sure we can go get sure we can go get somebody. And now, hopefully, Memphis can just move on from him and revert back to the fun, confident team that we saw last year. Last year, everyone loved the Grizzlies. It was just this fun, young, upstart team who was confident in themselves, and they backed it up in the court. Everyone loved that. And then this year, we, we, we've become the villains of the league. And that that's just how... That is completely internal. The Grizzlies have done that to themselves. And that needs to... That needs to change. But in order to do that, it starts with the leader of this team. It starts with the best player on this team. It starts with, it starts with John Morant. He needs to get back on track. And he's going to miss significant time for his actions, which he, he probably should. He's going to miss significant time for his actions. But hopefully, missing however much of next season that he does, as well as losing $40 million by not making 13 all NBA, which he could have made if he was not, you know, in trouble in the regular season, that lost him $40 million. Those are both pretty excessive, and the whole Nike situation that's going on with him. Hopefully, that will give him the proper motivation to be the superstar that he is, to be the leader that he is, and not mess, you know, not, not mess up his career off the court. Like as more like taking a step back, not as a Grizzlies fan, but just as a basketball fan. From 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 a basketball fan's perspective, you want to see this guy on the court. You never want to see a guy absolutely destroy their career by stuff they can control. You never ever want to see that. And, and as a Grizzlies fan, it's it's really painful because this is your best player. This is your leader. This is the image of the team that you're putting forth. And that is not what you want. So John needs to he just needs to improve himself for, for many reasons. For, you know, himself, for basketball, for the Grizzlies, there's a lot of reasons that he needs to improve. And I'm praying that he can. I know he can. So hopefully, you know, he can gain the proper motivation. I, I would have thought he would have had it after the first suspension, Clearly not, but hopefully, you know, two times he he realizes that I can't do that a third time, or you know, it may not be exactly you know I don't want to talk about the stuff he did, but it may not be the exact type of stuff, but you know, other other you know other other stuff that he doesn't want to be getting into, and but from a team tan- from a team standpoint, <laughs> John Morant actually missing out on that third team NBA was actually pretty good because they saved forty million dollars over the next five years which might help financially, but Jaw's actions are way more important than your finances. You'd rather have John Morant being last year John Morant than getting in trouble John Morant. So I, and, and 
I think you would sacrifice some money to do that. That that's at least my my, my perspective. And I'm I'm confident that since or I'm I'm convinced that since the first incident, since the first incident with Jaw, he's not been himself. He's not been the same player. Before before the incident, he was averaging the first one. The first one, he was averaging 27.1 points, six rebounds, 8.2 assists on 21 shot attempts a game. Afterwards, he was averaging 20 points, five rebounds, 7.4 assists on only 15 shot attempts a game, and that like that that just shows a lack of confidence in himself too, which we, we you don't want to see as a Grizzlies fan. You don't want to see you don't want to see that as a Grizzlies fan, and and this this sort of bled into the playoffs a little bit too. You saw you saw that he did take more initiative when it did come to the playoffs, in in his 45 point game. Game three, I do believe, and then a thirty-one point game that he had that we won in Game five, and you know, and and although he did take more initiative in that series, I think you would have wanted him to take even more because when when John Morant came back from that first suspension, right, he he was happy letting other guys take more initiative. He's like, I'm happy letting Jaron have the ball and just go score. So if you remember at the end of the regular season, Jaron was cooking on offense. He was he was putting up some ridiculously ridiculously good offensive stats. But John Morant was sort of be- becoming this figure who was who was lowering himself, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Some players need to do that, but not John Morant. John Morant needs to take initiative. He is the best player on this team. He is the franchise player, not Jaron Jackson Jr. However good Jaron is, he is not the franchise player. That is John Morant, and he needs to take he needs to take the initiative, and he needs to be the guy taking twenty shots a game. Take take your twenty shots a game, bro. That that's at least, that's at least what I think. And uh, this upcoming season, right, John Morant's going to miss a lot of games. He's going to miss a lot of games for that for his actions. Hopefully he comes back ready to roll and lead this team to where they can go because this team has a lot of potential. They really, really do. And then that's not just from a biased Grizzlies fan. That's from an NBA fan. This team has a great young core, and I think if you can get John Morant acting right, this is a team that has championship, even dynasty potential. Who knows? And in Jaw's absence, Tyus Jones is going to take over the starting point guard roles, so he won't tr- be traded this offseason. There were there were rumblings that there was a chance that he might be traded, just because he's on a one-year deal and he's going to be valuable, and we we won't be able to bring him back in free agency next year. But I think that they have to keep him now because John Moran's going to miss time, and Tyus Jones is going to come in and do his role, not do too much, and he'll be a really solid starting point guard, unless they go get another starting point guard, which I'll talk about later. But just because Tyus Jones isn't isn't going to be traded doesn't mean that there won't be other trades for this Grizzlies team because general manager Zach Kleiman for the Grizzlies, he wants to be, quote, very aggressive this offseason, which is a Grizzlies fan, that, that that kind of excites me, but it, it might be a little bit scary because I'm not sure how to interpret it. And at, at the deadline, the Grizzlies offered four, four, four first-round picks for Mikael Bridges and three first-round picks for OG Ananobi, and both were declined. So if you want to say that Dylan Brooks is who the Grizzlies are blaming for their playoff loss to the Lakers, they were looking to replace him at the deadline. So, yeah. But both of those deals were declined, which is kind of crazy because both of those deals are pretty excessive for both players. And if, the, the, if those are the deals were if those are the deals we're willing to offer, I, I I just hope that we don't. As a Grizzlies fan, I hope that the team does not overpay for a player who who's not worth those type of that that type of value. The Rudy Gobert trade completely shook up the market. It completely shook up the trade market, and hopefully, you know the Grizzlies can get get a good player for a 
fair deal. That, that's really all I can hope for because it seems like we're going to have to overpay because other teams know what the Grizzlies are missing. Like Brooklyn, Toronto, any of the other teams with small forwards that the Grizzlies could use are, are knowing that Memphis, hey, Memphis needs a small forward, you know? They're going to be they're going to be aggressive. Let's let's try to get a little bit more out of them. So it's going to be it's going to be tough there. It's going to be tough there. But it it is clear that the small four position is where the Grizzlies can't upgrade. And in free agency, I would like to see the Grizzlies try to per, if you, if you don't get a trade off for one of those guys, I would like to see the Grizzlies pursue Jeremy Grant, Kelly Oubre, Harrison Barnes, or Bruce Brown if he declines his player option. All those all those players would fill that small forward spot. Since since Dylan Brooks will be gone, he will not be back next season. Which I'm I'm, I'm just excited to not have to you know, spend, spend the next year rooting for Dylan Brooks and just praying that he doesn't take 40 shots a game because that's what it feels like sometimes. But we need to fill in that small forward spot. But if let, let, let's say theoretically or hypothetically that... I, I'll say theory, Hypothetically, the Grizzlies do not get a, a, a starting small forward in free agency. They don't get a small forward through trade. They have guys who can play the three. Specifically, the guy that I'm mentioning who could start may not be the guy y'all are expecting, but the guy I think who could start and could come in and just play a role and play it pretty well if he can, you know, if he can improve if he can improve his efficiency is Zaire Williams. It's Zaire Williams, and I know that he didn't have a good year this year. That that might be a cause of injury. He was injured this past season. It was it was a step down from his rookie year. This year he averaged 5.7 points a game, 2.1 rebounds, and did not shoot the ball well from the field. About 43% from the field and about 25.8 from three. So not great efficiency, but he was injured for a for a good part of the year, bouncing between the G League and the Grizzlies. So it it, it was um, it was an interesting year for Zaire, but I think that he could start because if you just look at him on paper, right? He's a six-nine small forward with a six-ten wingspan. That adds up to be a good defender, right? That adds up to be a good perimeter defender because when you lose Brooks, that's really what you're losing. But Desmond Bain can handle tough matchups. He's just shorter lengthwise. He's he has T-Rex arms, but he's strong and he plays good defense. He just doesn't have that wingspan. Zaire Williams is going to make up for that with that 6'10 wingspan. And he won't be over overbearing like Dylan Brooks on offense. He's going to sit in the corner and take his three-pointers or he's going to drive to the rim when it's smart. I trust Zaire Williams. I I, I trust his decision making. I I really do. I think he's a really smart player. But sometimes that that he he's so smart that he doesn't do enough. Like he doesn't do enough. If he could do a little bit more on offense, I think that'll be really valuable. And if he can improve his three point efficiency, then Memphis could start him and have a decent three and D wing if they can develop him well. And 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 the the good thing for Zaire Williams is right. If you look at this Memphis roster, they are very good at developing talent. The, the, they're very 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 good at it. You look at um, Desmond Bain. He had an okay rookie season. They're like, okay, this is going to be... like they, they found a steal in the draft, right? They found a good player in the draft. He'll be a solid rotational piece. Now look at him. He's all-star caliber. Uh, who else? Brandon Clark, 21st overall pick a few years ago. But he, he was a little bit older. People knew he was going to be good. I, I still think that his, he's, he's probably exceeded expectations in my mind. He's been really good. Xavier Tillman. He stepped up huge at the end of this year. He stepped up huge. Really, really valuable guy to have. And then you also have Santi Aldama, even, who was the 30th overall pick in Zaire's draft class. He took a step into being a rotational piece. Memphis is good at, at, at getting these guys from small roles to take the bigger role and run with it, or no role at all to take this bigger role and play, you know? 
They're really, really good at developing guys to do that. So I think that they could, like, I, I think they're going to be able to develop him correctly. So as a Grizzlies fan, if if if, if Dyer Williams is starting small four next year, I, I, I think I'd rather have someone else. But if, if he's who we end up with, I am not going to complain. I'm not going to complain because I think he's a lengthy wing who can shoot. If, if, if he can improve that efficiency, I think he could be a really, really valuable guy. And they also Memphis also has a 25th overall pick in this year's draft, and then that can either be that could be used on a small four if they want it to, or a point guard, or it could be traded in a bigger deal. They have some routes they can take. It, it seems like the Grizzlies love making draft day trades, so who knows what happens this this past year alone? We 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 traded uh, Walker Kessler, we traded that pick away for Jake Loravia, sheesh, and then we traded um, we traded DeAnthony Melton for Danny Green and David Roddy. Uh, that that's the other trade we did, so yeah, I, I, we we made those trades, and I think I like I, I think that the Grizzlies have have shown that they're willing to make trades on draft day, which is exciting that we may be making moves. And as I'm recording this, less than two weeks, we'll see a different Grizzlies roster. Kind of excited. I'm I'm, I'm to be, not, not not gonna lie. I'm kind of excited to see how this offseason goes. And then also going back to free agency, Memphis is going to need a point guard since Ja won't be able to play for a while. Maybe you can trade for one. Maybe you can sign one. And th- this this may be tough to to have happen. But as a Grizzlies fan, the point guard that I want it, it, it's Chris Paul. I, I I want Chris Paul. As a Grizzlies fan, I would want Chris Paul. If the Suns cut him, which it seems like they're going to do unless they're able to find a trade partner for him, then I think the Grizzlies should hop on the the Chris Paul sweepstakes because I don't know how many teams are going to want Chris Paul. There'll, there'll be a few suitors, but I don't know how many teams are going to want him. And I know the Grizzlies are going to have the money to pay him. So I, I think that works out well. And Chris Paul fills multiple roles. He can be a veteran leader and a consistent player for us. We need veteran leadership. The Grizzlies need veteran leadership desperately. Desperately, desperately, desperately. I'll talk about that more later. But Chris Paul would just come in. He can start. He can come off the bench. I don't care. I think he'll be a really, really solid addition. And worst case, you trade him at the deadline, right? Or if he does so well, you can trade Tyus Jones at the deadline when John Morant comes back. I, I don't know the the you know how realistic this is, but if the Suns are going to wave Chris Paul, then we can. I, I think the Grizzlies can hop on it. I think I think the Grizzlies can can sign him. And I, as a Grizzlies fan, would be really, 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 really happy because we need, like I said, veteran leadership is what we need more than anything. More than anything, John Morant will l- listen to Chris Paul. He will listen to Chris Paul. That's why I want Chris Paul more than just the basketball aspect of things. But if, if they can't get Chris Paul, the Grizzlies have a, do have a few options to get a point guard. They could convert Jacob Gilliard to a full, full-time full deal, but he's only 5'9", so I, I don't really want that. Other point guard options that could be cheap in free agency that I think we could go get are Patrick Beverly, Corey Joseph, or Dennis Schroeder. I think all those guys would be decent. I don't know how good any of them any of them would be. My preferences there would be in that order. Pat Bev, number one. Corey Joe, number two. Dennis Schroeder, number three. That's at least how I would see it. Shooter might be better than Corey Joe, but I think I'd rather have Corey... Mm, Shooter and Corey Joe is close. Pat Bev's definitely the guy I would want most if other teams don't want him because I think he's going to have a decent free agent market. The crazy thing is we had him for like one day. Interesting, right? And then one last free agent target that Memphis needs is a veteran. I talked about it with Chris Paul. We need a veteran who's going who's to listen, like who, who players are going to listen to, and that and you would you would think that Stephen Adams would have that type of authority, who's played with Russell Westbrook and Katie. He's been around the block a few times, and 
it's clearly not, since Jaw went and, you know, went to the club in Denver after Stephen Adams held a players-only meeting the same day. <laughs> that That's crazy. That's not Stephen Adams' fault. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's Stephen Adams' fault. I'm just saying if we could have another guy who could come in and maybe relate a little more to Ja, maybe be a, 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 a guy who Ja Morant feels he can connect with more, that that might be a little bit more helpful. Like I said, that's not a fault of Stephen Adams' though. And, and um, yeah, so I think we should try to get a, a veteran to assist that. And speaking of Stephen Adams, he will be critical going forward for this Grizzlies team. The impact that he has on this team is massive. You can see it when he plays versus when he doesn't play. Because the Grizzlies did not have him in the playoffs, and it, and it stung. It stung. I know he can't shoot, but but he, l- l- let me do a do a very quick rundown of all the things Stephen Adams does well versus the things that he does poorly. Ready? Things Stephen Adams does well: sets screens, rebounds, throws passes, unselfish. But that's a lot of good things right there. There's a lot of good things right there. And he, did I say he rebounds pretty well? I probably did. But if I didn't, he does that too. And the things he can't do well, shoot. Okay? If you look at his stats, make a guess in your mind of how many shots Stephen Adams took per game this year. It's six. He took six shots a game this year. That's ridiculous. And he, like, he's, he's such a valuable piece. If, 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 I, if, you, if you've asked me to rank the most, like, important pieces to winning a basketball game on this team. Like, if you had to rank, okay, this is the guy you don't want to have out the most. John Moran's side is in at number one. You don't want to have him out of the game. Number two, I'm putting Steven Adams. If we miss Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson, it hurts, but we can fill in. We 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 don't really have a... I mean, Tillman did okay, but he's no Steven Adams. So I, I think we really need him to be healthy, but I don't think he's the locker room voice you're looking for. So if you're going to... So in order to... Get a locker room voice, you're going to have to get one in free agency. And some could be Danny Green. I know he was just in Memphis, but when Danny Green was in Memphis, nothing happened. That's all I'm saying. You could go get Jay Crowder back in Memphis. I was at the game, he hit the game-winning shot. I, I still remember that. Or we could even go get Kevin Love. Just go get somebody. Go get somebody. Another priority in free agency for the Grizzlies will be extending Desmond Bain. It'll probably be a similar deal to what Jaron Jackson Jr. got, around 25 to $30 million. Not quite a max, but he's close to that range. I think that, that's that's definitely something that Memphis needs to do this offseason. Also, the Grizzlies have a team option for Xavier Tillman, and they should 100% accept. It's only for, what, $2, $3 million? It's, it's for $2 million. There's no reason not to accept that. I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of Tillman because he can do everything. If you look at his game log, he did not play like at all at the beginning of the season. He was out of the rotation basically until Adams went out, and then he just came in and started, and he did well. I'm, I'm a Till I'm, I am a fan of Tillman. I think he's a good player. If we had to trade him, we could. But he did well in Adam in Adams' absence, and he can he can do a lot of things. He's clearly not upset with playing a lessened role, so I I do like him. Bring him back for the cheap. And in free agency in, in general, this offseason in general, Memphis is going to make some sort of move. They're going to make some sort of move. I think the, the, the management knows that this team is, is right now inadequate, and they're not in a position to win a championship. And that's obviously the end goal. So some sort of move in order to reach that goal is going to be made this offseason. I could almost guarantee that some sort of important move where the Grizzlies trade first-round picks is going to be made this offseason. I can't guarantee it, but I think that something like that seems to be, you know, that it seems likely to happen. 
And, then, and if you look at this team, it's clearly one or two pieces away. It's it's super duper close to being complete. It's just one or two pieces away. You have the core. You have it. You just need to get that piece that ties it all together. And clearly that's not Dylan Brooks. The the, the obvious answers are M- Mikael Bridges is the ideal player. If you get Mikael Bridges, I'd, I, I would celebrate, bro. I would be so happy. I don't care what we give up. I want Mikhail Bridges more than anything else. If it's not him, OG Nanobi would be a great option. But if it's not those two guys, then like uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, that, that that could be an attainable trade. I think that's a trade we could pull off. Jeremy Grant or Kelly Oubre, all three of those guys would be helpful to this team. So definitely some things to look into, small forward-wise. And the Grizzlies are going to make a trade. Some players that they could trade are guys like John Conchar, long contract. Brandon Clark, long contract. David Roddy, long contract. Or Zaire Williams, young piece. So they have a few options as far as trade assets go. They won't trade Jaw, Bain, Jaron. It seems like Kennard's going to stick around. I don't think he's going to leave. Steven Adams, probably not going to leave. Tyus Jones, probably not going to leave. That's a lot of guys off the table. And if we really had to, we could trade Kenny Lofton Jr. I love him, but we really might have to... He may be more interesting for some other teams. Although, the one game he started, 42 points. We lost the game, but he had 42 points. Pretty crazy. And... That, that's most of the stuff that I want to talk about for the Grizzlies. And in, in recap, the, 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 one of the things they need to do is they need to get all of the issues, off-the-court issues, under control. And they do, they do that by letting Dylan Brooks go and bringing a veteran piece in the locker room to steady it. That, that, that's how you handle that. And in, in free agency, we need to try and get a small forward who can come in and fill for Dylan Brooks. Worst case, it's Zaire Williams. But I, I, I would prefer you can go get somebody to start. I think that'll be that'll be better. And if it's not Zaire Williams starting, Luke Kennard can start. He shoots the ball really well. We're gonna need him. And and neither one of those guys would not be ne- they wouldn't necessarily be bad. And then also in free agency, the Grizzlies need to get another point guard to help out Tyus Jones while Jaw is missing time. Like I said, Chris Paul would be the guy I would want most. I don't know if we could get him, but that is the guy that I want really badly. Honest, honestly, like <laughs> that's hundred percent honest. I want Chris Paul. And I, I don't know how much he would cost, but I want him. Another offseason priority, extend Desmond Bain, get that extension locked in, and then accept Xavier Tillman's team option, get both of those guys secured for next year, and Bain long-term, he's already secured next year, but for the long-term. And the last thing is to make some sort of big trade, big move this offseason, both to open up roster spots in order to get, get extra players on the roster, because if you're signing free, like this team, they have a ton of players under contract. They have a ton of players under contract, they only have one guy who's going to leave from this roster in free agency. That's Dylan Brooks. No one else is going to leave through free agency. They're not going to have roster spots to, to, to add players. So you trade is how you open up that roster spot while still getting value out of players. So we need to make some sort of big trade in order to, one, open up roster spots, and two, in order to make that move, to move this team from a good regular season team to a team that you believe can fight for the championship. And if we can do that, then I'm happy with the offseason. And like I said, I, I don't have a name in mind. I, the name in mind is Mikhail Bridges, but I don't think we're going to get him. Otherwise, like I'm, I'm not going to be upset with anyone, anyone the Grizzlies get. Just someone who can come in. I, I, what, what, what the Grizzlies need is what we really, really need in free agency. I'm, I know this is going long. It's a point guard and a veteran. Those are things one and two. You can combine them. Option three is a small forward. If you can get a small forward veteran, that's also really, really good. I'm sorry if you guys can hear f- feedback. It's raining right now, but the podcast is almost over, so who cares? But that is going to do it for the podcast today. If y'all did enjoy it, make sure to show support on whatever streaming thing you're listening on. 
Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm out.